I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Did you have any sort of like chemistry reads or anything? No, no. And it was funny because I just did one. I did two scenes. I never got a callback or anything like that. And then I, when I finally met with Tim, he's like, yeah, I just, I loved your audition. He goes, I'm, I'm, I've always been afraid of cops and you, you made me scared. <laughs> you, you just kind of hit it. And, um, and I go, oh, did you know me from blah, blah, blah? He goes, no, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen you before. Hello, world, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the show where I speak to fellow actors about their journey in the industry, and I make them share a couple bad audition stories with me. If you're not subscribed to the show, make sure to hit that subscribe button right now and follow us on social media. Those links are in the show notes. We've also created a YouTube and a Discord for our community, so check those out. Today on the show is someone really special. Um, I have, I first met him 20 years ago. We talk about this a little bit in the in the episode. And um, we did this AFI short film called Chasing Daylight. It was me, Jason Dolly, and our guest today. And if you follow me on Instagram, you saw that I posted a clip from it. Essentially, uh, my character gets her head chopped off in the same way that they do in Hereditary. And then... um, and then I come back as a ghost later. Uh, Jamie, our guest, plays Jason's father in the movie. It was a fun little short film that we did so many years ago. It's it's pretty wild. I was 10. I think Jason was 11. Um, 
So yeah, it was crazy. But those clips are over on my Instagram if you want to see them. It's actually pretty like disturbing. Um, so I'm sorry in advance. Anyway, today on the show is Jamie McShane. You know him from Argo or Lincoln Lawyer, The Fosters, Bloodline, Southland, Scorpion, Sons of Anarchy, literally a thousand different things. But right now, right now, you know him best as Sheriff Galpin from the hit Netflix show Wednesday. And uh, it was it was so bizarre um, talking to Jamie because we haven't, you know, seen each other or, or spoken in literally two decades. Um, and so it was it was such a blast from the past to talk to him. So anywho, I could go on and on. It was freaking awesome reconnecting. Here's my interview with Jamie McShane. And welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I haven't seen you since you were like nine. <laughs> I know. It's so absolutely wild to me how long it's been since we've seen each other. For the listeners, Jamie and I did an AFI short film about like 18, 19, 20 years ago, somewhere around there. I think I was 10. I'm 30 now, so probably 20. Um, um, and I I recently rewatched it because I was going through all of my old VHSs to convert them. Um, mm -hmm. And I realized that we never even had any scenes together. No, you were on a bus, right? Yeah, I was on a bus and then like in the airplanes at the airplane graveyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Jason Dolly. Yeah. So yeah. crazy. I mean, so crazy yeah. that that was so many years ago, too. I feel like it was just yesterday. I know. I know. As you get older, yesterday feels even closer, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was sitting there watching Wednesday, and I was like, holy shit, that's Jamie. And I was like, what the heck? We need to talk about everything. But before we get into all of the newer stuff and all of the amazing things that have been happening in your life, my first question is always, what made you want to be an actor? I saw the movie Robin Hood when I was little. It was an animated uh, Disney version in the theater. And I just connected with that and knew that's what I wanted to do. I understood. I was like four, five. I understood he was animated, but it just kind of clicked with me. And then as I got older, I started watching, you know, when I was a kid, they just had reruns of like the Adams Family, I Dream of Genie, shows like that. And I was like, oh, I want to do that, but I don't want to be the lead guy. I want to be the second guy they're a little more interesting mm. and then um then as i got older i learned you know a little more about movies i saw gene hackman um you know clint eastwood um spencer tracy and then mash when i was a kid mash was on yeah and alan alda was such a mm. he was just so good and that was i was like oh that's the style i'd like to you know do if i ever got into this you know, into, into it. Wow. So that was my, that's how I got in. I mean, that's how I wanted to get in, why I wanted to get in. And then how did you get in? What was that like for you? Well, I gave up on it all. Uh, I just thought, it, you know, as a kid, everyone wanted to be an actor or rock star or something or pro athlete. And then uh, I saved up after college and I was backpacking around the world and I was in Australia and some guy was like, hey, mate, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be an actor. And he's like, well, why don't you do it? Mm. And I lived in Jersey outside of New York. So I started going to New York, basically. I didn't know what a headshot was or anything. 
And uh, yeah, and then slowly, I got my SAG card pretty early, and uh, I did a lot of plays, like play after play. I mean, most some in Jersey, some in New York, and then I did a lot of extra work and stand-in work and all that, mm. and you know, tried to move up the ladder and eventually moved to LA. And hi, doggy. And LA opened up for me uh, wow. slowly. <laughs> Slowly. I mean, I'd love to know, because obviously when I met you, I was so young. I, And that's why I love to having the show and being able to talk to people that I worked with as a kid. It's always so interesting to me. I want to know where you were in your journey when we met. Interesting. So I looked it up and it was 2004 when the movie came out. So maybe we shot around 2003 or so. I started acting in January in 1990. Mm. I was in New York. I was there for about eight, nine years. And it took me about 12 years to get an agent who really understood me. And that was Kim Dorr from Defining Artists. Um, we're still very close. And um, I was at a point where I had Kim at this point for a year or two, and I was really booking a lot of co-stars and then some guest stars, which are the bigger roles. And I was doing a lot of, you know, parts on television, not quite at the recurring role, you know, mm -hmm. part of my career yet, but getting there. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then you, after Chasing Daylight, you did so many arcs on so many different TV shows. It's yeah, really, knock on wood, huh? I mean, it's really remarkable the amount of like, and not just like random TV shows, like ones that are really well known. I mean, you had 24 and Sons of Anarchy and I mean, Southland, all of these incredible shows that you worked on. And yeah, I mean, these, it's just, it's almost, it's mind boggling to me to be a part of that many incredible shows and have these wonderful arcs on them. Yeah, to me too. <laughs> <laughs> so someone asked me recently, like really recently, they're like, you know, man, you're on such good shows. Do you, do you pick and choose and da da da? da. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I take whatever I can get. Still, I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting more opportunities at this point. But I think I, I've had very good representation, mm. and they've been smart with me. And then, you know, fortunately, shows like Bloodline, Sons of Anarchy, um, Southland, I just wound up booking them. You know, yeah. luckily and you're like, oh, you're a part of that. So, yeah. And you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned earlier that you wanted to always be the person who wasn't necessarily the lead, but the one who was the interesting sideline character that was always there. And it feels like you've actually really fallen into that, that prototype. Yeah. I mean, I, I would like to do, I did a lead in a film a couple of years ago called Busman's Holiday. Mm -hmm. It was a little independent film. Uh, a friend of mine, a really close friend of mine, Austin Smith, he wrote, directed, produced, he was the DP. He was oh the gosh. sound. He was everything. And we had a crew of two other people. And we went around the world, literally, in a month. Um, we went Ireland, Norway, Italy, Mumbai, Zanzibar, and then Sydney, Australia. What? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. But um, I was the lead in that. I was Michael Busman, Busman's Holiday. It's, it's on uh, Amazon, I think. Um, so, I mean, I would like to do leads. I'd love to have a career like, you know, Gene Hackman or yeah. Robert Duvall or Ed Harris or something. But for some reason I was drawn, because most of those shows I watched in um, when I was a kid were in reruns. They were comedies, which I rarely get to do. 
but the sidekick characters to me were more interesting and more more i don't know approachable or i don't really know how to explain it it's always felt to me like side side characters not necessarily that they aren't as important but they they feel more fully formed mm. and it, and i think it might be the actor just saying like here's my shot and i'm going to put everything into it interesting that's kind that's of how I've looked at it. It's like because it's yeah. it's interesting too when you when you watch something and you know that like the side characters aren't as good and you're thinking, well, were there other people that were better? But then they would have taken the spotlight away from the lead, and that's why they didn't hire interesting. them. Interesting. I don't know. There's always a theory in my mind about these things. <laughs> I will say though, like you know, Alan Alda was the lead in Mash, mm. but he was such an ensemble player, and to me, you he was just a standout in such a subtle way. Mm. So I was very drawn to that, you know? What was, what was the moment when you were, you know, younger and out here in LA when you thought like, dang, I'm on the right track. Do you remember like what that role was for you that you said, okay, I know that I can, I can continue putting all of my energy into this. I think the first, I, I'm, I've been persistent. I mean, it, it was a long road. I mean, 12 years to get an agent. Um, I, I think my gift has been to not give up, even at times when I wanted to. But I think when I got my first episode of uh, NYPD Blue mm. back in, I don't know, a little before we did that film, a couple, maybe two years before we did it. And I got that from a casting workshop. Wow. And the casting director, Scott Jenkinger, saw something in me and called me in. And that was a big role for me, I mean, at the time. Um, and that was like, oh, wow, I'm working with, you know, it was a hit, hit show. I'm working with all the leads and everyone was so nice. And I had a nice part, you know, and I felt confident about what I was bringing to the table. So that was good. Mm. And you've done, I mean, you've done a lot of film too. You did Argo and a bunch of other things, but you've worked with David Fincher twice now. And that's... Yeah. I don't, so I don't know cool. if he meant that. I think he forgot after the first time. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I, I loved it. I loved it. He's really, he's an incredible director and a fun, he's a funny guy. Yeah, I mean, I have to know how it was filming Mank. That was such a, such a stylistically intense film. And I'd love to know what it was like on set. It was amazing. I mean, Gary Oldman was so sweet, so nice. The whole cast was Amanda Seyfried, everyone. They're just very kind. It made it very easy. And, you know, Fincher is known for doing a lot of takes. Right. And he's very specific on – he doesn't change – he he rehearses, which is great, because a lot of directors don't. He actually brings you in way ahead of time for rehearsals. And he lets you find, you know, stuff in it. Mm. And then he sort of locks it in. And then he's looking – I don't know if this is what he actually does, but to me – he kind of locks in your performance. He'll change a little bit here and there. But then he's looking for all these other nuances mm. that it's like he understands every bit of filmmaking from, you know, the lighting, the camera, the lens, the da 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 And it's just, it's incredible to watch him and how he reacts with other people and the humor in it. Mm. And it's like he's got this genius as an artist, but then he has this genius as like an engineer or a I don't know, a scientist or something too. So he's just a straight up genius is what we're saying. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'd love to work for him again. It was great. 
I mean, yeah, that's it was such an interesting movie to watch. I think, you know, the just the style of it was so it was just so interesting and it made things really Yeah, it was it was neat to, get to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And Gary Oldman, I was just thinking about him the other day. I was like, he is one of those actors where I I never know that it's Gary Oldman until somebody tells me it's Gary Oldman because he truly yeah. changes every single time. Yeah, he does. He's amazing. He's one of those guys that's just an amazing character actor who happens to be a lead actor mm -hmm. that can bring incredible characters. Just so diverse. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. And back to the show. Okay, so we have to talk about Wednesday because mm. obviously, I mean, it's the number three show that Netflix has ever done, which is crazy. I don't know. I, I know it was number one for a, a bunch of things, but I don't know the whole yeah. stuff about it. So I was, it's done pretty well. I was looking it up and the only other shows that have done this well are Squid Game and Stranger Things. Mm. And that's wild. Did you know when you guys were making this that it was going to be such a hit? Like, did you feel it? Because I feel like you can feel it when you're on set. We, I think we all felt it was something because Alan Miles, the creators of the show, the scripts were so good. And then it's Tim Burton. Right. And that's a whole nother element. Tim's a sweetheart. And then Jenna was just, you know, she plays Wednesday and she was just so good so good and such a sweet kid and smart and funny and but it was just like oh she's got this down mm -hmm. and then you bring the other kids in percy joy georgie farmer they were all doing really really great work and then you know came in uh gwendolyn and Catherine zeta and luis guzman and it's like oh this is they've got the big guns in here too you know and then hunter was wonderful who plays my son yeah. and it was just, you know, it's it's great to be part of the team. And it was interesting for me because it was the first time, like, I was the the senior on the, on the squad, you know? <laughs> Normally there's more people my age or a bit older. And this was like, oh, I'm the, I'm the, I don't know, the chief in here. 
you're the you're the father figure of the yeah. of the show and you did have a lot of scenes with the kids and you yeah, it was with hunter with hunter and with jenna yeah. i felt yeah with jenna too yeah it was interesting to watch um you know not many times do they have like a lead character actually working with the sheriff uh, a mm. lot of times you know it's like you have that character working in their own way or or going against law enforcement but it was interesting to see well she did well yes she did <laughs> but it was interesting to see her like start, try and say hey i i can help you because i know more and having you guys have those interactions throughout the series um it was really cool and it was really cool for me to to get to film that and get to work with her and and hunter and you know bits i had with gwendolyn it's just it was fantastic and how was Tim? You said he was a sweetheart. Oh, he's awesome. He's <laughs> funny. He's really funny. He's very simple as a director to the actors from what I saw. Like, he didn't give a lot of direction. He kind of lets you do your thing, and um, he'll tweak you a bit. But his vision is, I guess, so specific in what he does with the rest of the crew. And we don't come in until he's got it all set up. But one day, one of the ADs was talking to me, and he, he said, I don't get it. He goes, I was looking at the monitor and it looked really good. Like it was a really good shot and scene. And he goes, and then Tim went and talked to the crew for like two seconds. And then I look at the monitor again. He goes, it, it jumps up several levels. It was like amazing. He goes, then he talks to them again. They do take three. And then all of a sudden you're in a Tim Burton movie. Mm. He goes, I don't know what changed, but it just was like that. So whatever that was in those two clicks of Tim saying something, I guess that's Tim's magic. Yeah, I mean, he really does have a magic about him. You always know you're watching a Tim Burton film or show when it's on because he has yeah. such a specific way of of creating. I, yeah, it's so cool, and it must have been really cool to see that world like come to life and in in real life. Yeah, the sets were amazing. You know, I don't know. You know, Tim's such an amazing artist, um, and it looked like it all came out of his head. I don't know who was responsible for what, you know, set designers, Alan Miles, what they had. But each set was just, like, you walk in and you're like, oh, I'm on a Tim Burton thing. And, mm. You know, it was pretty amazing. What was your audition process like for, for Wednesday? I sent a tape in. Uh, my buddy, Sean Hattesey, who's a very well-known actor, is further up the food chain and I, um, he's was helping me do auditions and he's a director too. So it was great. And he just said, Hey, if you need help, you know, or whatever. So I just put, put it on tape with Sean and it was, there wasn't much to it. Like at the time I had a lot of auditions and some were really, you know, heavy roles or whatever. And this one was like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm just kind of being me, but a little grumpier. <laughs> Sean's like, yeah. And that was it. And I, I sent in the tape like in late February, a couple of years ago, I guess. And I didn't book the role till the end of July. Whoa. Yeah. So during that time, it was like, you know, I was up for all these other things, didn't get them. And then it was like, you know, my manager would say, hey, you know, that Tim Burton thing, you're still in the running for it. And then it got a little closer, like, you're really in the running for this thing. And then it was like, you're the first choice. And then it was like, they're trying to find the, you know, the right Wednesday and the right place to shoot. And, and I got it like late July. That's wild. Did you have any sort of like chemistry reads or anything? No, no. And it was funny because I just did one, I did two scenes. I never got a callback or anything like that. And 
then I, when I finally met with Tim, he's like, yeah, I just, I loved your audition. He goes, I'm, I'm, I've always been afraid of cops and you, you made me scared. <laughs> he goes, you, <laughs> you just kind of hit it. And, um, and I go, oh, did you know me from blah, blah, blah? He goes, no, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen you before. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, oh my God. So, I mean, it was pretty cool. That's so wild. Yeah. Yeah. I'm shocked. I mean, yeah, normally I with like a, a big series or what you expect is going to be a big series, you know, you go through hundreds of different times of meeting the director and meeting the creators and studio and all this stuff. Yeah, I think I think with COVID that may have changed a mm. little. And I think I think they the creators told me later that Tim really didn't consider anyone else. He says he saw your tape and that was it. And that was it. Boom. Which is very flattering. Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I have enough background that they can say, all right, well, if he wants them, you know, Netflix has worked with me before right. and they gave the green light. And, you know, I guess someone from MGM at least knew who I was. So that probably helps. For sure. For sure. I wonder, so that audition in particular, you were like, I'm just going to be me and a little grumpier, uh, <laughs> which I yeah. love. Is there, do you have a specific way of breaking down um, an audition or a character or anything before you do a tape? Not really specifically. It, it varies, but I pretty much, I get the sides and then I go like, Ooh, who is this person to me? Like, what can I bring to it? How do I feel about the character rather than looking for, Oh, what do they want? You know? And then I kind of go with my gut feeling and then I, you know, pepper in, all right, how do they walk? How do they talk? What, you know, what do they wear? And, you know, stuff like that. And some roles come quickly to me and some take a little more work. And, you know, maybe once in a blue moon, I'm just like, I don't get it, you know? <laughs> so, and ironically, I think that the Sheriff Galpin one was like, I was trying to figure out, trying to figure out. And I was just like, I, I, I just think it's me, like a little grumpy. That's it. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> It's well, I feel like too the ones that at least in my experience, roles that I've put less time into where I'm just like, I'm just gonna kind of be myself and add a little flair are the yeah. ones that I end up booking. Yeah. And I think it's yeah, I, it's maybe a bit about an authenticity thing. I don't know. Yeah, and I think about the uniqueness of one just being who you are, because if you try to be someone else, there's someone else. But if you're just you, there's no other you, no matter who you are. True. You know, and, and we True. we derive from other people and once in a while like I worked with Ben Mendelssohn years ago in Bloodline and he is just derivative of no one. Like he's his own entity. And it's so refreshing, you know. And I think too it's it's one of those things where it's like the the actors that we all love and admire, like the Jeff Goldblooms of the world are I mean, they're so unique in into their own person. Yeah. And I think if more actors realize, hey, just be you and then yeah. put yourself in the circumstance. Obviously, if there's things that need to happen for you to change bits of yourself, then do it. But the most important part yeah. is you being there. Bringing, bringing something about you. And that's the magic of like Gary Oldman, where he brings something that's him, but in such a wide variety. Johnny Depp does that. Um, a couple, there's a couple other actors who are amazing at that. Robert Downey Jr., I think. Oh, yeah. You know, just to mention guys, you know, in my realm. I mean, well, not my um, realm, but my age realm. <laughs> I think they're in your realm now. 
No, I think you're quite, there. But thank you. <laughs> I think you're there. Um, well, on this show, we like to share audition stories. I know I asked you for the Wednesday one, but are there any um, additional stories that you would like to share with listeners? I had a funny one. I was just starting acting, and I got a head. You know, I got my first headshots done, but I hadn't done anything yet, so I didn't want to lie and be like, "Oh yeah, I did this film and this play." So I'd done some workshop back in New York and I just got quotes from people who had seen me and I just put quotes on the back of my resume and that was it. Like, you know, and, um, that people had seen my work. And then I got called in by the head of ABC casting, like the head and people in the workshop were like, what you just started and all this. And I'm like, I don't know. So I went in to meet with the head of ABC casting and I'm like 23 and I get in there, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Finally, someone comes out and they go, uh, Jamie, there's been a mistake. Uh, she didn't mean to call you in. She actually pulled your picture as, as an example of what not to do. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm totally deflated. But I'm also like, well, okay, I appreciate that. But you called me in. So I'd like to meet her. And I go, you're not going to meet her. I go, no, I'm here. You called me and I'd like to meet her. And we went back and forth a little. I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not leaving here until I meet her. So thank you. So eventually the person came out and she goes, hi, I'm so-and-so. You met me. Leave. <laughs> and then I went, you know, tail between my legs for quite a while. But I'd like to see her now. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. What a gutsy funny. move for a kid in his early 20s. Well. From Jersey, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Here, so that you were the example of what not to do. And yeah. she was going to use that as an example. And, and whatever assistant misread <laughs> the note. <laughs> <laughs> that assistant probably got fired after you left. Like, you no, left no. and then they packed their bags. That assistant is probably the head of some studio. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh, yeah. that's good. That's really good. Um, what else have you got going on? What's, what's next for you? Obviously there's going to be a Wednesday season two, but what else yeah, is happening? Wednesday season two is happening. I got to see how much I'm written in and all that. I'm waiting on that kind of on pins and needles. I'm working right now in 1923, hence the mustache. Mm -hmm. Um, I play a U.S. Marshal in 1923. That's one of the uh, prequels to Yellowstone. Yeah. And that's fantastic. It's such a, a joy to get to work on. And uh, it's fun, you know, playing a playing a cowboy. Yeah. Um, so I'm literally shooting that now. I've got like one more scene to finish up. Wow. And then I've got, uh, I did a film called um, The Great Divide. I had just a little part. It's an independent film. Um, and then... I did a short film I had to lead for Michael Cudlitz and his wife, Rachel. She wrote it called uh, On Earth As It Is in Heaven. Hmm. Um, and that should be coming out. And then I just did another short film for a guy named Richard Zelnicker uh, with Billy Gardell. He's the lead in it. And um, I play a 1980s Vegas pit boss. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, with a cranberry velvet suit and all. And that's called The Vortex. So. Oh, my God. I have to have a picture of that. Oh. It was, I had like long sideburns, goatee, had to yes. color everything black. I looked hideous. I love it. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> um, well, before we go here, I have to use this as an example because I recently had a conversation with one of my friends who's been, um, you know, working steadily 
doing plays and whatnot. And he was like, I don't know that I should go out for short films anymore. I think I'm kind of like done with them. I think I'm over it. And I said, no, hmm. nobody's ever done with short films. I said, short films are great because you get to meet people that you never would have met doing something else. And they are helpful. They keep your craft going. It's fun. It's a little short thing you can commit to and help other artists. And hearing you now talk about still doing short films, I wonder what your perspective is on continuing that. Do them. I mean, do short films, do student films, you know. Before I did Chasing Daylight, the reason Jeff Stevenson, who did the film and directed it, knew me was I had done an AFI film. Uh, I was the lead in it like two years before called Fine. And it wound up being one of the three that won the Student Academy Award that year. Oh, wow. And that's when agents sort of started looking at me. But, um, you know, you do you do short films, you get to meet people, you get to sometimes you get roles you'd never get otherwise, you know, um, and it's just you got to work, you know, work begets work and, and work, you, you learn on set, you know, and you learn how to do things maybe differently or a different character. And I don't know, I just love working. So if someone offers me a short film and it works out, that's great, you know, and then hopefully you get the, the big jobs that'll pay you enough to pay the bills in the meantime, you know? Mm -hmm. And when those people then go on to make the big jobs, they call you back because you helped yeah, them when they were hopefully. making the small jobs. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I really enjoy, enjoy doing shorts as well. I, mean, I enjoy doing anything on camera, really. I feel you on that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. just send it to me. Whatever, I don't care. I'll do yeah. it. <laughs> yep. Um, do you ever have aspirations of doing anything behind the camera? No. No? Nope. None. Nope. Have you seen none of it? Nope. Nope. Not really. I mean, I, I think if you get to a certain level, like Titus Welliver and Bosch and all, or people like that, where it's their show, like, you know, Titus is Bosch and it's mm -hmm. his show and then you become a producer. Right. You know, and if that happened, that's great. Fine. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, I have no aspirations of that. I don't want to direct. I don't see the full story. Uh, I would, I'd be horrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm good within the moment of the scene. Like I, I, I help, you know, direct or I see things or I, yeah. I can ward off some stuff just because I've worked enough, but no. You? Yeah. I've, you, I've, you produce, right? Um, I've produced a few films. I've directed a couple. Um, mm. I like doing it all. Good but for I, you. I think I think acting is my my number one. But I I just I like being on set. I like working. And if that means yeah. I'm going to direct this month, that I'm not going to act this month, that's fine. Let me direct. Yeah, there's a lot of actors, Sean Hattesey included, who he's he's a great director. Uh, Michael Cudlitz as well. You know, even huge actors, Clooney, Robert Redford, and all that have that gift of of both. Mm. I don't have it. <laughs> I don't know. I bet. I bet there's some some little thing in you that if you were nope. pressured, nope. no, nope, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> I know. I no. know what I have and what I don't have, and I know better what I don't have. <laughs> So, oh my gosh. Um, well, yeah. do you have, I was trying to find you on social media. Do you have any, any social nope. media? None. Nope. 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 That I, social media goes with my directing. <laughs> I love it. No, I'm just not interested. I mean, some people years ago put up like a Facebook page for me, somebody from college. I didn't even know I had it. <laughs> and then, uh, and I felt bad because people were writing in. They're like, Hey Jamie, I know you from grammar school. I'm like, Oh, how do I, respond or whatever it took like two years before i knew i had it and then for a minute i had a, a publicist and they had a 
Twitter account for me, but I don't even know how to use it. It hasn't yeah. been used in years. I love that. Keep it that way. <laughs> Stay off the grid, man. It's too too crazy <laughs> on it anyway. Stay off yeah. the grid. Um, well, I've so enjoyed talking to you. Um, you too. Thanks for asking me. It was an so honor. so cool to catch up with you and, and see you all too. the great things that you've been doing. Thank you. You too. I looked you up. You're doing good, kid. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to Jamie for coming on the show and uh, going down memory lane with me and talking to me about everything we talked about. Um, I so appreciate actors who come on the show who um, are in it for the long game and the long haul and realize that it's it's about the journey, not the destination. I know, so cheesy. Uh, but I I love that. I think it's important in any in any artistic field to remember that, um, you know, making it overnight doesn't, doesn't really matter. It's about longevity and putting in the work and the time. And so I, I love when I have guests on the show that, um, really exemplify that. So thank you again to Jamie. If you haven't watched Wednesday on Netflix, I really don't know what you're doing, but you should uh, go watch that and keep an eye out for season two. Next week on the show, I have a fantastic actress from Singapore. Her name is Selena Tan. You remember her as Michelle Yeoh's sister in Crazy Rich Asians. She has a new film with J-Lo and Josh Dumal called Shotgun Wedding coming out January 27th. So tune in next week for my conversation with Selena And as always, thanks for coming in. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.